women of faith for some some time now, and um, I, don't, I don't know whether we've sort of accepted the invite to join with them and uh, follow along with them, but that, that's the invite that they're offering, and, and, and God is offering through the chapter of this uh, book. And this morning, I want to talk about faith choices, faith choices, and, and we're doing that through looking uh, particularly at, at Moses. And uh, in verse 24 to 27 of Hebrews 11, uh, it says this, Hebrews 11, verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he'd grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be ill-treated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. So this morning we want to look at choices. How, how do you make choices as a person of faith? And after you've made those choices, perhaps the more difficult thing is how do you live with those choices? Some of us find choices easy, some of us find them hard, but all of us, after we've made choices, have to live with them and, and sometimes the repercussions of those choices. And so Moses was making these choices and he was making them with faith. What difference does it make if you're a man or a woman who trusts God and you've got faith? What difference does that make to your choices? Now, of course, we're choosing all the time. Often they're insignificant little choices that really don't matter. I have heard, I don't know if it's true, but I have heard of people who pray what colour socks they ought to wear in the morning and whether they ought to park here or park there. I'm not sure that the Lord most of the time is very bothered. What I think, I, th- I think, I mean, I'm sure he's bothered about everything, but I don't think it's keeping him up at night. Uh, it's, they're just little choices. It, you just, you're just free to choose. Choose what you want. It doesn't really matter whether you wear boxer shorts or wire fronts. It doesn't really matter what colour underwear you wear. It doesn't really matter. All of those things, they're just choices you make. It doesn't matter whether you have beef or lamb for dinner or whether you choose to be vegetarian. You can, you're free to just make choices. They're mostly insignificant choices. And then there's sort of routine choices. Choices about what you spend your money on whether a holiday is more valuable or a bigger car or a car at all, or whether you want to spend by going out at night or whether you'd rather have a telly after a few months of saving or, or whether you'd like to spend your money on more clothes or less clothes, whatever. We've, we've all got those sort of routine choices. And, and then there are those choices that, that you and I make that we don't realise that we've actually chosen. You know, when she says that, she said that to me and so I, you know, chinned her or I swore at her or, I, or this happened and then I did, wrote that letter. Those sort of, you know those sort of choices? When it feels like you haven't made a choice. You, you know those choices? When you feel like A happened so I did C. But actually it went through this, it went through B. Does that make sense? This happened so I did this. Uh, and what we don't realise because it happens so fast is... In the middle, we've made a choice. You know those? Some people are thinking. It's true, but it doesn't feel like it's true. It feels like, well, I had to do it. 
No, actually, or I was, pre- I was presented with this temptation, and so I did it. I couldn't help it. Have you ever, ever tried that one? Ever told, have you ever tried telling God that? He's <laughs> not really that impressed. But it feels like that. This happened, I, I had the opportunity, so wow, yeah, I did it. I watched that, I said that, I took that. That, that kind of thing. And actually, between the, the, the stimulus or the temptation or whatever it is that happens and, and, and this is our response. And that's actually a choice. I used to think it was a heavy thing. My, um, my parents used to say, you, you've got to take responsibility. Ooh, a bit heavy. Take responsibility. What, what, what I've come to realize is actually it, it's about your ability to make a response. You have you have response ability you've got the ability particularly if we're born again believers if we're christians the holy spirit lives in us he enables us to choose our response so over a period of time rather than she said that so i did this or that's temptation came so i had to do that actually we, we gradually the holy spirit teaches us we can choose our response that's what response ability is i don't have to do this the holy spirit can help me to do the right thing feels like i just do it but no i've got a choice that's a different sort of choice so there's insignificant choices routine choices unconscious choices almost and occasionally we have to make a critical choice we get to sort of i call them crossroads choices when we choose i'm going to go that way i'm going to go that way they're they're big choices and moses big choice was this Will I side with the Egyptian establishment that have become my adopted home or will I identify with the people of God who just happened to be in slavery? That, that's, that was a big choice for him because he'd been, he'd been born, he'd been rescued, he'd been actually nurtured by his own mum but like as a nanny and, and he'd been taught about the things of God and his history and the promises over God's people. But then he'd been handed over to the palace and he'd had his university education and, and his legal training. And, and, and he'd learned how to govern a nation. He'd had all of that with all the privileges and comfort of that. It, it had that too. And so he gets to a point, as, as an adult, it says when he'd grown up, he gets to a point where he's got to make a big choice. And we have those moments in life, don't we, where, where we have those big choices. And, and he chose, the passage says, he chose to identify with God and his people. Now, it's a big thing because some of these big choices, it feels like, as it did for Moses, a surrender of privileges. Does that make sense? For, for, for Moses, it looked like a, a big backward step because Egypt offered a lot it did and and let's face it the world offers a lot or at least it seems to offer a lot for a while it offered moses rank power it offered him a sense of significance he was someone in egypt he was a prince he had power he had significance he had riches he had the freedom that comes from being pretty powerful he could do what he wanted. It wasn't a democracy. He, he was a ruler. He could take what he wanted. He could do what he wanted. He had comfort. That's why in verse 25 it, it says, uh, it talks about the pleasures of sin. 
Don't, don't let anyone tell you that sin, that people talk about as miserable as sin. If sin looked miserable, people wouldn't do it so much. <laughs> it, it, it looks good and, and it's pleasurable. And that's been right from the beginning when the, the story of the serpent, hey, look at this fruit, it's half tasty and look, look how pleasant it is. It, it looks good, it feels good and, and what's more, it's sort of enjoyable. If it wasn't enjoyable, we wouldn't fall so often. And that's, that's his, sort of, uh, his sort of choice. It's a surrender of what looks and feels good. But, but here's the thing. His choice was this. His choice was to lose those privileges for what he actually came to understand was a greater privilege. So it says in verse 26, he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. That's interesting, isn't it? So he's not saying that sin and all its pleasures and all the things, all the gains of Egypt, he's not saying that they weren't valuable. Moses looked at them and thought, wow, that's amazing. But what he says is, actually, even disgrace, but being with God and his people, that's more valuable. That's an interesting thing, isn't it? So it wasn't that he was saying, oh, no, I've got to choose for God. Oh, no, it's going to be really awful. It's going to be terrible. No, no, he was actually saying it's more valuable. That's the greater treasure. To go with God is a greater treasure, even with disgrace, than all the pleasures of Egypt. So following God is, is a choice of that which is higher and better. It's a greater delight. So, so when people encourage you to walk with God and say no to sin, it's not, oh, flipping it. I've got to be a Puritan now. I've got to dress in black, look miserable. Oh, no. You know, that, we can be conned into thinking that. And Satan would quite like us to think that rather than actually these are lesser treasures. I'm choosing a higher treasure. I'm choosing a better life to follow God and to be with his people. And that's just the kind of thing that Jesus talked about, wasn't it? Remember that story about the merchant that that came across hidden in some box or in a car boot sale or something. He came across this massive great pearl. And he went home and he flogged everything he had to get this pearl of great price. And Jesus said, that's what it's like to know the rule of God, the kingdom of God. That it's, a, it's worth sacrificing, not, not because oh, I'm going to be miserable, but because this is so much more valuable. He talked a similar story about a guy that accidentally found treasure in a field. He's a farm worker, he's, he's laboring away, and he finds this, this treasure. Didn't have any beep, beep, beep things, but he, he found this treasure. And, 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 and again, it was worth sacrificing everything. He's just a, he's just a poor farmhand, but he goes home, he's, he sells his Mondeo, he, he gets his wife to sell her wedding ring, he sells everything he's got because he wants to get this field because this, that's the treasure. It's a treasure to know and walk with God. It's a treasure to do life his way. So we mustn't be conned into thinking that if you live a Christian life, you're going to miss out. Jesus said, I've come to give you abundant life. Life in big letters. Bold, underlined. I've come to give you real life. So that's the choice that Moses was enabled to make. It's a choice of something higher and better. And so Moses became a famous person. Essentially, it started when he chose for God. An interesting thought that if he hadn't made that choice, 
You might still know his name, but it might be because you found his mummy in the British Museum or something, something like that, you know, Tutankhamun, Moses, it'd be Ramesses II. It'd be, it'd be in a whole load of mummies in the British Museum. So, but he, he made that choice, which looked in a way like a crazy decision in the world's eyes. I don't, I don't know if you've ever made decisions for God that, that your family look, think, look on and think, you're crazy. I have, and my parents were Christians. They still thought, they looked on us, oh no, you've decided that? You've given what? You're doing what? But actually following God and knowing his kingdom is a great, great treasure. Now we all make similar choices. Most of us haven't been offered Egypt. Let me know if you have. Pyramids are not an option. But we do face similar choices because the world invites us things like this. Why, why do you still believe those, those, that sort of old-fashioned faith in this secular world? Why, why are you still... That, nobody believes that anymore. Actually, that's not true. But, but that's what people say. Why, why don't you abandon that old-fashioned faith and just live like the rest of us in a secular world? That's, that's the choice we're invited to make. The, the world says things to us, why don't you abandon that kind of restrictive morality that you've got and have some fun? Ever heard that one? That, that morality, that, that, that sort of one woman for life thing? What's all that about? Why, why, why don't you abandon that and just have some fun? That's, that's a similar, that's a Moses type choice, isn't it? When, when people say, well, I see your Christianity as a sort of restrictive disadvantage to a fun life. That's true, isn't it? And so we, fa- we do face similar choices to Moses. And some of them are behavior choices. It's, verse 25 talks about uh, the fleeting pleasure of sin. It's very realistic, the Bible. It's, it's a pleasure, but it's, it's only for a time. That's the key, that's the key thing. It's, it's, oh, it's great fun, but after the high comes the low. After the great sin comes the great consequence. That's fleeting. fleeting. It's a behavior choice. And Moses says, uh, contrasts that in this passage with, uh, no, I'm looking ahead to my reward. That's an interesting, it's an interesting contrast. There's, there's what's now, yeah! Or there's, yeah, but I'm looking ahead. I'm living for the longer term. I'm, I'm looking ahead to my reward. That's a beha- behavior kind of choice that Moses is enabled to make because he's seeing with the eyes of faith. And with the eyes of faith, you can, you can look further ahead. You've got a longer-term picture of things. And really, that choice came, came from an identity choice. Moses' choice came from this decision. I'm primarily God's. And therefore, I'm primarily one of God's people. That was the big decision. After that flowed the decisions that come from being one of God's people. But, but it was an identity decision. I am primarily one of God's people. That's a decision, isn't it? And I know some Christians are deeply embarrassing. You might think I'm one of them. But that's, you, know, you think, oh, oh, but, oh, yeah, but it's a bit embarrassing sometimes because Christians say such funny, weird things. Well, some do because we're people, aren't we? We're funny old people. But, but actually, that was his first choice. Moses was actually identifying with an enslaved, downtrodden, persecuted people who'd had all their children killed. So it, it wasn't like... A, it wasn't a, a great career choice. 
or anything like that. It was, it was a hard identity choice. I, I belong to God. That's my first, I may be many other things. I might be an executive, a, a, a student, a shop worker. I might have lots of other things in my sort of identity. But the top one, the first one, the prime one is this. I belong to God. I represent him wherever I go. And from that decision flows all the other decisions. I belong to God, therefore I'm with his people, and all the other decisions flow out of that. That takes faith, doesn't it? It's a faith decision at the end of the day. And it's a costly choice. It it does cost. It costs to follow Jesus sometimes. He talked about taking up his cross. What does that mean? It's not a sort of you know, I know some of us have got that as a bit of jewellery, but it doesn't really mean that, does it? And nor is it your mother-in-law. It's not, it's not that kind of thing. If you, if you saw someone at the time of Jesus carrying a cross, you wouldn't say, okay, see you, see you in the pub tomorrow night? It, it, carrying your cross meant it's the end of making your own life choices. That's, that's what carrying a cross meant. It's, I, I, don't, I don't have the choice anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm dead to myself. I'm following Jesus Christ. That's a costly decision. And it's going to cost Moses because ultimately it means for for a period of actually 40 years he goes into exile. But those decisions also made him the man God wanted him to be. So so costly choices make you. They're they're the big choices that, that, that mean you could end up as that person or you could be this person. Those costly choices made with faith that make you the man or the woman that God wants you to be. Now, having made that decision, how's Moses going to live with him? And in verse 27, we see sort of Moses' perseverance. It says he persevered, leaving Egypt. He persevered because he saw him who was invisible. Now, we know for note-takers, it's in Acts chapter 7, uh, won't bother looking it up, verse 23 and verse 30. We know that he was 40 years old when he went into exile, and he was 80 when he returned to challenge Pharaoh. So this is a 40-year gap of just waiting. 40 flipping years. That is a long time, isn't it? How, how can he endure such waiting? How, how do we endure when those periods when it seems like nothing much is happening? We, we have those, don't we? Can't be the only one. We do have periods where, uh, and it says that he endured because he saw the invisible God in his circumstances. He, he saw him who was invisible. What, what do you mean? Well, you, you can't see someone who's invisible by definition. But, but you can if you've got your faith specs on. If you're seeing with faith. In other words, he trusted that a God he couldn't see was at work in his circumstances. And that's true for us. A God you can't see, if you're believing him and following him, will be at work in your circumstances. The invisible God is with you at work. The invisible God is with you at school. He's with you in your trials. He's with you in your home life. He's with you as you queue up waiting for your kids from toddler group or whatever life activity you do. And he saw an invisible God at work in his circumstances, especially when his circumstances were rubbish. And that's often when we doubt God. 
He, he, when things were tough, he, thought that he believed God is at work in my circumstances. And so decisions are followed by a process for Moses. That's true, isn't it? Often I, I want to do a decision and then it all happens. Don't you? And, and, and many Christians sort of talk like that. I, I believe God for this and it happened. But that's not been my experience. Just occasionally it has been. Usually it's been, I believe God for this. Pause. Tumbleweed. Doubts, struggles, and then sometime later it happens, usually different to how I expected it to. That's, that's, that's usually my experience in the, real, in the real world of faith. And so decisions are followed by a process. And, and Moses made this critical faith decision. I'm going to identify with the people of God. They are my people. He's my God. And actually what, what happened with was that that was just the beginning. Moses is a bit like an uncut diamond, which doesn't look that great. And then God begins, begins the process of making him who he wants him to be. And that's a bit painful. He cuts him, he polishes him, he shapes him up. God's not in a hurry. I, I, got, I got printed out here, Linda, Linda Kander put a really good thing on the, on the tinternet, on tinternet um, uh, this week about a nest of tables. It's really good. I hope you don't mind me reading a bit of it. It's a nice little wooden nest of tables, and it, uh, worn out from the knocks of life in a, in a bit of a state. Of course, it's about us, really. It's not about a nest of tables, but you get the picture, an analogy. Is that the right word? And worn out from the knocks of life in a bit of a state, sitting in a corner, unused, mostly covered. It's still quite solid, and you were made for a purpose. And this is God speaking. I see what you will be. Trust me. Years have gone by. Surely now, only fit for the skip? No, it's about timing and changes current, coming. Thoroughly cleaned, sanded, ouch. All the rough edges need to go. Those old stains need to be removed or they'll show through later. Just when those little broken tables thought it was safe to breathe, they're covered in paint again. Someone abandons them in a corner and the process is repeated again. Is this all there is? It's so uncomfortable being buffed for smoothness. Now I'm left in a corner. Now I'm pulled back. Here we go again. Eventually strengthened with a coat of armour, varnish or polish or something, prepared for many useful years ahead. Isn't this what God is doing amongst us in this current season? He sees our purpose and our worth. He knows the plans he has for us as individuals and when we work together. It's because of his great love that his refining fire is visiting and bringing about transformations amongst us. We'll all be clothed with strength if and as we embrace being cleansed, healed from our wounds, and allow him to transform us as we trust in him, our maker. Great. Good piece of writing, Linda. Thank you. It's true, isn't it? That's what was happening. I know Moses isn't a nest of tables, but you get the picture? That's what's happening with him. That's what's happens with us. After the big choices comes a big process. And God is not in a hurry. I think God is more concerned with who we're becoming than exactly what we're doing. Does that, that make sense? I'll say it again. God is more concerned with what we're becoming than what we're doing. When I left Bible college I, uh, in my 20s, I thought, look out Albert Hall, I'm coming 
Christian preacher extraordinaire. Yeah, I, I did in my youthful enthusiasm and probably arrogance. Look out, Christian. And do you know what I ended up doing? I ended up resurfacing railway repair pits. That's what I ended up doing. I, I, I ended up working with mostly drunk Irishmen and things like that. They were really strong, those guys. But I, you know, I learned lots about things that I didn't particularly want to learn. And then after that, I, 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 I worked in benefits. I, I would go and visit all sorts of extraordinary people in extraordinary circumstances and make, make sure they were getting enough money. hope my car wasn't being nicked when I was doing it. Those, that, was, that was what I did for the next few years. Why? I could preach. Why? Because I had other things to learn. Uh, particularly not to be so big-headed, probably. But things like getting married. Hmm. Great, actually, but... I had just lots to learn. Things like just getting a bit older. Things like growing up. Those kind of things. Moses was in a similar sort of process. God wasn't in a hurry. It's really irritating, but he wasn't. And in his youthful confidence and self-reliance, he ends up killing an Egyptian and flees the country. And, and, and God himself took away his support structure. Ever had that happen? God himself took away his advantages, a bit like the coffee tables. He began cutting and polishing like the coffee tables, like a rough diamond. Moses starts a new apprenticeship. He's had his apprenticeship about how to make law, how to be a diplomat, how to rule a country. He's learned to be a ruler. Do you know what he's learning now? He's learning humility. Doesn't sound so much fun, really. In court, he'd learned to be a somebody. And you know what he's learning now? He's learning to be a nobody. That's just as important. He's humbled. He gets to a point where he cannot rely at all on himself. He can only rely on God. And you know what? It worked. In Numbers 12 and verse 3 in the Old Testament, uh, we we learn this. Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. That, that didn't happen because he was born nice. That, that happened because God had spent 40 years working in his life, teaching him, teaching him how to rule, but teaching him how not to rule, teaching him to be a somebody, teaching him to be a nobody. We're, we're in the hands of God. And, you know, the Bible says in James 4, God opposes the proud. That's a, if we're proud, watch out. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace, he gives help to the humble. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he will exalt you at just the right time. I don't know if you can use your imagination going into a, from palaces to a sort of scrubland, deserty situation looking after sheep. That's what he did. I can imagine the first six months not having the pressure of behaving yourself in the palace and all of that. I can imagine the first six months quite enjoyable. Probably get a bit toned. Enjoying the outdoor life. No pressure. Quite nice, really. I'd quite quite enjoy that for six months. But after one or two years, it'll be, okay, Lord, I'm ready. I'm now humble and now fit and strong and buff and ruler-like, I can now do, do my job. But can you imagine after 10 years, after 10 years it would be, Lord, when's it going to happen? 
after 20 years, it's, God, I'm trusting you, but I'm getting a bit creaky. I'm, I'm making those noises when I sit down now. Oh, can't, I can't sit down without making those noises. I don't know about anybody else. You know, that, that, after a little while, he gets to the stage where he's actually waking up tired. And, and he's taking a bit of, ooh, he's doing that in the mor- mornings. Some of you are nodding. You know, he's, he's, and he's thinking, well, I'm trusting God, but maybe I've just got to give up that. Maybe I've got to give up that dream. Maybe I blew it when I killed that Egyptian. Maybe it won't happen anymore, but God, I'm trusting you. I'm still believing you. That's the process that he goes through until all his dreams of self-reliance just drop away. And he's now a shepherd and a servant. I'm just going to worship God. I am going to serve God and we'll see what he does. And, and that's, that's the moment God waits for. It's a different kind of training, isn't it? We, we think of training as sort of doing, doing some classes, getting some notes, maybe a stiff kit on the wall. But Moses is in the school of life and God gives him time to think. God gives him time to know him more deeply. Time to get married, time to take on the responsibility of a family until at last he's ready for his commissioning and his encounter with God at the, uh, at the burning bush. And that's a process. You see, in many leaders' life, there's a, there's a calling, there's a conditioning, and then there's a, at last a, a commissioning. And that's the process he goes through. So that's, that's Moses' decision, and that's how he learned to live with his choices. It's all our choices, choices have, have consequences when we trust God. And we're believing him for things in our lives, individually, in our lives as his church. There are critical choices and then there's times of preparation and and endurance and perseverance. So what's the so what? We need to finish. Time's going on. Well, I've just got a couple. Firstly, God needs your choices more than he needs your talents. Of course, he'll use your talents. Don't get me wrong. But... he needs your choices for him more than anything else. Whether they're identity choices, I'm, I'm one of God's people. Or they're behavior choices, okay, that looks great, but I'm not going to do it. But God needs your choices much more than your talents. He'll use your talents all in good time, but he's more concerned with your character than your charisma. Much more concerned. God can give you charisma in an instant have some charisma it's your character that takes time and effort to form and that's what he's interested in so make make choices for him i don't know what choices any of us uh, are facing there'll be a whole load of different choices amongst us choose for god choose for his kingdom seek first the kingdom of god all the other stuff will sort itself out seek first the kingdom of god and then he's calling us to persevering faith when you've made the choice, live with the process. Not always easy to live with what God does in our lives. Sometimes it is like the sandpaper on the coffee table. It's not always easy, but we endure like Moses did because we see him who's invisible. We say, hey, this is tough, but God's with me. I'm not quite sure what he's doing, but I'm seeing him who is invisible. And we humble ourselves under his mighty hand. And, and, and like Mo, it says for Moses, he endured him who would one day give his reward. And God will reward us for all those tough decisions that other people don't even see you've made. All those secret choices, those behavior choices, those identity choices. He rewards us in due time for the choices we make. Let's pray together. I want to particularly pray for choices. Some of us will be 
struggling with that responsibility thing. We, We react. I just want to pray for them. And others of us will be facing big life choices, crossroads choices. And I'd like to pray for you too. Father, I want to pray for everyone here who just reacts. And uh, Holy Spirit, you're our teacher. Thank you that you give us the ability to make a a different response, to take responsibility, not not in our own strength, but in your strength. And I, I pray for those here who just see this and do that, that you would be our teacher, Holy Spirit. Help us to know when we're making a decision and be able to respond better, calling out to you for your help right in the moment. We ask you that we would uh, make godly choices in Jesus' name. And I want to pray for those who, are, who, who feel like they're at a crossroads. I don't know what your crossroads is, just be a few of us. just want to uh, ask God for his help. So just reach out to God. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are with us all the time, but especially when we worship, you come and you enthrone yourself on our praises. When we read your word, you're there to teach us. Pray for those who are are making choices, particularly that choice of, will I identify with God and his people, or or is it the pleasures of Egypt? I, I pray, Father, that you would give us the grace to choose well to choose for the long term, to choose with the eyes of faith. And I pray for those who feel, well, I'd like to choose for faith, but, but my faith is low. I ask, would you grant faith to make right decisions? We, we call upon you for our, uh, any brothers and sisters who are at crossroads decision points. We thank you that you are at work in our lives. Pray that you would help us to make right choices for you. And Lord, I, I pray lastly for those where you, in your kindness, you sort of expose our weaknesses like you did for Moses. You expose our weaknesses, but not to do us harm, but in order to clean us up, in order to prepare us for useful uh, service, in order to transform us. And we, we just place ourselves into your hands. Lord, maybe we feel a bit stained, a bit damaged, uh, a bit bashed about. But we thank you that you're in the work of repairing, restoring, forgiving, uh, polishing, taking us forward to be more and more like you. And we thank you that we're not on our own because you're doing that with all of us. So we pray for those who are going through that process right now that you would bless them and help them and just reveal to them that you are at work in their lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.